It's NBA Finals Game 3. We'll look at it from the Denver perspective, the Miami perspective. What adjustments do they have to make? And Jimmy Butler says, playoff Jimmy's not a thing. Really? We'll play real or fake with that right now on the Locked On NBA Podcast. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On NBA podcast. So glad to see you, to have you here as we get ready to look at game three of the NBA Finals. On Wednesdays, we're your normal hosts. I'm John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at John underscore Corrales. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast on Twitter at Nola Jake. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On NBA. For $20 off your first purchase, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Jake, we got ourselves a series. It's 1-1. And let me just start. Let me just start as the Boston guy. As the Boston guy, I've given Miami a ration of, uh, let's say, trolling on my podcast. (laughs) I just continue to be impressed by this Heat team. They are... They are just the the model for consistency and hard work, and it's just amazing to to watch them. So I just wanted to start that off as the. Oh, you just you hear like everyone leave me alone on Twitter, please. Yeah, I, I really actually think this team's good. Up. I'm giving them their due. I'm giving them their props. It's it's amazing to watch. But look, like resiliency is a skill. Like at this point, is culture a skill? Like we need to, you know, eventually that's a conversation that might need to be had. Like Absolutely. looking at it in the larger picture there. So we'll talk about the driver of all of this, Jimmy Butler, who is trying to play humble right now. Uh, but we'll we'll play real or fake with him and his comments where he says playoff Jimmy is a narrative that doesn't really it's not really a thing. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Second segment we'll say for for these Miami Heat that we're talking about, but let's start with the Denver Nuggets, who uh, dropped the game at home. That's obviously not something you want to do having home court and you give it away. In the first first set of games, there, what's the what's the number one thing for you from the Denver perspective heading into Game Three? What 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 do you need to see from them heading into Game Three? So I have two things, but I think if I'm like kind of ranking them, the biggest one is if they can limit the Heat's three point shooting, they're gonna win. Oh, well, this is the club, man. <laughs> like, Good luck. Yeah, so, like, that's the thing, right? Like, eventually we keep saying, like, this is going to run out. Miami's not going to shoot this way. (laughs) Who knows? It comes down to that, right? Game two was really close, and the Heat shot 48.6%. They were 17 of 35. If that number is not at that point, Denver wins this game. If they miss one more, it's tied and it's going to overtime, right? Like the the Nuggets could have won that and it comes down to whether they can more or less close out and not lose some of the shooters from the Miami Heat and defend the three-point line better, I think. You know, they're giving up a lot of wide open looks and I always think when those stats are thrown out there, they're a little bit misleading when you hear wide open six feet when you're using the NBA.com slash stats site definition because most three-pointers are wide open because guys won't take them if they're not wide open because it might get blocked and it's like a bad thing. So it's something to keep in mind when those numbers get set out there. But man, when you're giving up 
18 plus looks that are wide open. Like, yeah, you need to do a better job of defending on the three point line. And if you do that, I think this series could look entirely different. I have another one, but let's hear what your number one thing for the Nuggets is. My number one thing for the Nuggets is to give Jokic passing options. And that was the big thing coming out of the that last game. Ramona Shelburne asked the question. Um, and Eric Spolster immediately shot it down, right? And and the concept of turning Jokic into a scorer versus you know allowing him to be a passer, that is still something that exists, but it's not about what you do with Jokic. And and Spolstra, I think, came came back hard at Ramona for a reason. It's almost like a deflection. It's not about what you do with Jokic. He's right. It's not, you're not going to turn Jokic into anything. The way you turn Jokic into a scorer versus a passer is you take away the passing options. So you're not defending Jokic any differently necessarily. You're defending the rest of the team in a manner where you see Jamal Murray not shoot well. You see Michael Porter Jr. what score five points in that game. That that just absolutely cannot happen. Aaron Gordon, 12 points. That absolutely cannot happen. They need to create cutting lanes for Gordon. They need to create shooting opportunities for Michael Porter Jr. And they just need to get Jamal Murray free off of some screens so he can catch and shoot a little bit more cleanly. That's the difference between Jokic as a scorer versus Jokic as a passer. Give him the options. Find the options that that give him the opportunity to get those assists. When those options aren't there, yeah, then he becomes a scorer. So I see Eric Spolster's point about, no, it's not about Jokic and he's a god and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's about the other guys and giving Jokic those passing opportunities. And honestly, Murray will figure it out. It's my number one thing. Get Aaron Gordon some baseline cuts, some backdoor cuts, something that gets him some easy buckets that will draw some of the defensive attention. And then the other stuff, I think, opens up more organically because those guys are worried they have their heads on a swivel about where the cutters are. That's when you start to lose three-pointers, and that's when those other guys start going. Yeah, that's essentially my second point, right? It's it's find ways to get some of the other guys going a little bit more. You know, you've got to get Jimmy Butler off of Jamal Murray because he gave him problems and limited him just eight points in almost seven minutes of game time where he was the primary defender. That's not going to work if you're the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray only took six shot attempts against Jimmy Butler, right? You need to increase that number and get him more involved in the offense than where he was before. And he, he was, he can get looks. It was a good look at the end of the game for that three that almost went in, right? Like he clearly can create some space and separation, but I think having to deal with that defensive pressure all game. So as you said, use him off ball, let him cut, let him move around a little bit more, try and find and hunt favorable matchups. If they can do that and they get him going, I think that's big. The Michael Porter Jr. part, I think, is a little bit more tougher to try and solve because as good as he's been for them at times in this playoffs, you know, you see games like this from him where he is more or less non-existent. So do you need to go to a guy like Bruce Brown earlier, Christian Brown earlier, and maybe limit some of the minutes for Michael Porter Jr. or have like a quicker leash on him maybe. And it's like, Oh, he's not feeling it tonight. We can't have him play 25 plus minutes. Cause that might sink us. We've got to go with someone else. And that's going to be on Michael Malone, just kind of the feel of the game, right? This is where coaches can really earn their money of like, Oh, nope. Can't go with this guy. Cause I don't think he has it. And I need to go a different direction. 
that that's 100% true. It's the Michael Porter Jr. question is going to be a big one in game 3. Um if if he can't be effective and it's it's obvious pretty quickly, this is this is like the dichotomy here that's going to that's going to kind of impact the Nuggets. Do you let the shooter shoot his way into rhythm, which is Shoot or shoot, and you got to keep shooting until you start hitting. That's what Miami Heat said, right? They said that after game one, and look at what they did in game two. Right. So you have to give him some leash. You you can't just miss a couple and then say, nope, he doesn't have it, because he could hit the next two and then have it. So it's not about is he missing. It's what types of shots is he missing. How does he look out there, read his face, read his body language? If that's not good, then you pull him. But if there's some confidence in there, and this kind of goes on Jokic too to instill some confidence in these guys, just give them that feeling like, I will give you the ball the next time, even if you miss this. So get that confidence in there. My last thing about the Denver Nuggets is get some damn stops. Get some, especially in the fourth quarter, especially in the fourth quarter, because Miami is getting outscored think the number is like they're outscored by 20 in the playoffs in the first three quarters combined. And then they're winning the fourth quarters by like 90. It's, it's a ridiculous number. The, the nuggets have to find a way to, it's not about blocking shots or getting steals, just force the miss, play good defense, get your leak outs, get out into transition and dictate the pace in the fourth quarter. That's the, the the number one reason why Miami wins these fourth quarters is they can slow it down with their zone. And I've seen it in Boston. We've seen it all over the place. And the reason why New York gave them a lot of problems is New York was very happy to, to dive into the mud and, and, and not have to, like, they didn't have a change of pace. Milwaukee, Boston, Denver, when the fourth quarter hits, their pace changes because of the Miami zone. My, Denver has to dictate the pace by getting stops and running out in transition. Well, that's also a way to get those other guys going too, right? If you can get Jamal yeah. Murray some easy buckets in transition, whether it's off of a, you know off of a defensive rebound and pushing the pace, or off of a live ball turnover which killed the Heat, right? That's a way to get guys going and get them in a rhythm. If you can get Michael Porter Jr. some points in transition, watch his confidence rise, and let's yeah. see what he's capable of doing. That's huge, I think. Yeah, that'll be big. All right, let's dive into this from the Miami perspective next. What does Miami need to do to take a lead? To hold home court. We'll take a look at that next. First, today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Hey, maybe you didn't even expect to be going to Miami uh, for game, you know, a game in the finals, and you say, Oh, I want to buy some last minute tickets. Or maybe you're one of my listeners in Boston and you thought you were going to a finals game and you're not. You got last minute tickets for everything sports, music, comedy, theater. It's all right there. Killer deals on last minute tickets with the best price guarantee. Their game time guarantee means you get the best price. If you find a ticket in the same section or row for less, game time gets you 110% of the difference. Hop onto the game time app. You get images of the seat before you buy. So you know exactly what you're looking at when you get there. Uh, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, boom, boom, you're all set. And the tickets get directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your emails up at the front. No one wants to be that person holding up the line. You don't have to be with the Game Time app. Their lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection. Why wouldn't you download the Game Time app? Create an account right now. 
Use the code LOCKEDONNBA. You get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but create your account right now. Redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I want to thank you for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every day. We got the finals covered like nobody else, so make sure you're checking out Lockdown Nuggets. Make sure you're checking out Lockdown Heat. Obviously, Lockdown NBA all week long. Howard Beck on the show. Just coverage unlike anywhere else right here in the Lockdown Podcast Network. Happy to be part of it right now. Let's dive into the Miami side, Jake. And I think my first thing for Miami is is just control the pace um keep things at your at your level where you like to go that speed where you like to go um just keep it close it's it's the Miami formula for me there's nothing to change as far as Miami goes keep it close defend get to that fourth quarter rely on your zone defense and then just keep attacking those mismatches that you can find and they're just so great at finding, oh, there's, you know, th- this defender's on the floor. Well, we're going to run this play that gets Duncan Robinson um, a-, a cut to the basket. Oh, now you've got this this configuration. Well, here come our three-pointers. Here comes Gabe Vincent. Here comes Caleb Martin. It's It's just about staying together. The thing about Miami is they are winning on consistency and effort. And if you just come with that same consistency, that same effort, don't get caught up in the the runs that that Denver is making. Just come out and keep that pace going. Keep that machine going. I think Miami can if they can just keep it within 10 heading into the fourth quarter, they have that thing in their heads that says, "Got them right where we want them and just keep that pace going, keep executing your stuff." Yeah, I'm kind of with you on this. You know, watching the series and knowing that the Miami Heat were underdogs going into it, right? And pretty heavily in terms of, you know, uh, per FanDuel and all those places, pretty heavy underdogs too at that. You know, there was kind of a formula for them to play well, and they did it in game two. You know, they missed shots in game one, and they hit those shots in game two. And, you know, the adjustment can't be just keep making shots, right? Like that's not a thing I can probably say on here and sound (laughs) deep and insightful, even though it kind of is. But you're right. It's just do your thing. It's worked. It's worked all playoffs on this fairly improbable run to the NBA Finals where they're the first eighth seed to win a game in the NBA Finals. So just do your thing, right? Like I think you you can make minor things the things they have to do if they want to win. You've got to avoid – an inefficient Bam at a bio performance like he had in game one. It was much more efficient in game two. And if you can get that out of him, it just opens things up, I think, for the rest of the team so much more playing through him in that kind of mid post where he can create for others or attack the basket or shoot if he needs to. And it takes, and we'll talk about this more in the next segment when we play real or fake, a little bit of pressure off of a guy like Jimmy Butler who hasn't been amazing through the first two games of this series so far. And if you're not going to get a playoff Jimmy performance from him here, then you need these other guys to really be efficient because otherwise you don't have someone necessarily to carry you down the stretch. Yeah. I think for, for Miami here, there's a magic number with Bam out of bio shots, the 25 shot attempts. This is like 26 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, 13 of 25. That looks like such a great stat line, but he was a minus six when you eight, eight of 14, Nine rebounds, four assists, 21 points there, plus 17. 
that 14 shots is the number for me. If, if I'm Denver, I'm, I'm making Bam out of bio beat me. I'm, yeah, I'm that's, saying, that's what you want, that's, right? Like t- 26 points on 25 shots is a bad game in my opinion. Right. So the, for Miami, for Adebayo, it's about being that selective shooter. Um, if there, if if you find yourself open to take a bunch of shots, even if Bam Adebayo hits a bunch of them, even if he shoots well and it's an efficient night, the him as a leading scorer is not going to cut it. It's not going to be how they win this game. They win these games. They've won these games all series long on their ridiculous, let's just say, ridiculous three-point shooting. Sure. They are on – this is just if, – if you've never watched hockey and you've ever wondered, what is this whole thing about a hot goalie? How can a hot goalie carry a team to a Stanley Cup? This is it. Uh, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, are, you know, Max Struess are the combination of – you know some combination of these guys. They're the, they're the hot goalie. They're just they're, – their shooting has been – just on the outlier level for most of the playoffs. If they, if they can keep hitting at 40%, then they're just, it's just not going to work. Right. They, they were 17 of 35 in game two, 48.6%. That's, that's hard to beat. You're just not going to, you're not going to win those games. You don't get to 35 shots from three. You don't get to that number with bam out of bio taking 11 more shots, you know? So those shots have to, Bam has to be the passer. Bam has to be the guy who gets it in the middle, collapses the defense, and sprays it. And if they're not respecting him, then he scores. Then he, you know, you run the pick and roll every once in a while to keep a defense honest. But that ball has to stay on the perimeter, and those guys have to. It's it. It's not it's deep analysis. They're shooting, right? It's not like, deep analysis, but that's how they're. Know. Look, keep making your shots. You're gonna win. You're gonna win. Like it's kind of as simple as that. You shoot close to fifty percent from three. You're gonna win games. That's where they maybe need to be concerned a little bit that this was only a three point win for them. But so where does where's a guy like Tyler Hero fall into all this? Not playing tonight in game three. You know, how's that factor into kind of the calculus of looking at that depending on what happens tonight? Yeah, I think honestly, one of the I hate to say this about an injury, but one of the best things that happened to them was Hero leaving because it took a weak defender off the floor. And wouldn't you didn't lose anything shooting-wise because their shooting is out of out of control. So they have been able to throw these zones out there with Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin at the top. And those guys have been so incredibly disruptive that it's it's not something that you could do. I don't think you get that same level of defense with Hero out there. So one of the things that Miami, the, the more they win, the less pressure there is to have Hero out there. Hero might be like, yeah, I'm kind of ready. And they'd be like, you know what? This is working. Let's just kind of see how it goes. You know? And look, he's going to be rusty. He hasn't played in a few weeks. He, I don't care what kind of shape he's in. It was just a broken hand, so he can run and sprint and do all kinds of things. But it's not basketball shape, you know. There's, I hate, to, there's just nothing like playing NBA level basketball, playoff basketball. So that's not going to get him ready. He's not going to be ready. He's going to come in. He's going to be winded. He's going to be, you know, hurting. He's going to be bruised. They're going to attack him right away. So 
the best thing that can happen to for Miami is keep doing what you're doing and keep Hero off the floor and and don't give Miami that like that one weak link that they can attack because we talk about Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray going and trying to find their rhythm. You put Hero on the floor, man, that's red meat to the Wolves. They will attack him and that could be a way to get the other team going. So I would I would keep him out as much as possible. I disagree to a point on that. I, I agree with you on the rust and things like that, right? And it's not like you want him to come back and all of a sudden it's a game seven. He's played two games, three games in the series. You're like, let's give the ball to Tyler Hero because that seems like a recipe for disaster there. But they're getting away with playing Duncan Robinson at times big minutes. And they're fine defensively. I think that zone works. I think that heat culture really applies to the defense too. And you can get away with playing one or two of those negative defenders out there. And Duncan Robinson at times has been amazing. Came in, hit a couple of big buckets in game two, but he's what one for six, something like that in game one and didn't really have an impact on them trying to win that game. One from one, five from three, if you can get a little bit more consistency out of like that spot. And I think hero could give you that. And if you don't, really miss much of a beat defensively i think that's worth you know it's better to have the option to go to him i think than not but it's going to be interesting how he starts to kind of get folded in and used in the series and if he does play big minutes because that rust is going to be a very real factor i think and that's something that concerns me as we get closer towards the end of the series here yeah look he's a good player and like i'm not going to make it sound like you put him in there and and you're um, you're, you're ruining the whole thing, but, but this is working. You got to the NBA finals, right? You got there. Um, yeah. and you, and you're, you're one, one, you tied, you just stole home court. I'm not messing with anything. I'm not messing with anything until I absolutely feel like I need to. So, um, they could activate him. I don't know. I, I wouldn't play him. One last point. Um, free throws, uh, Miami getting to the free throw line 20 times in game two versus two in game one was huge. So Miami, from their perspective, stay aggressive, stay attacking, draw those fouls, see if you can get Jokic into that foul trouble, see if you can get somebody like Jamal Murray into foul trouble, Michael Porter Jr. into foul trouble. If you can get those guys into, into foul trouble, they, you know, uh, KCP fouled out. So like those guys, you, you need to, you need to keep ramping up the pressure on them and get to the free throw line. That's my last point. All right, let's play real or fake. Jimmy Butler, uh, Making a comment, trying to downplay, oh, playoff Jimmy's not a thing. All right, we'll play that game next. First, I want to thank you for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every day. Watch the uh, NBA Big Board podcast next. Draft time is right around the corner here. It's in a couple of weeks. The NBA draft, we're talking about who's going to be crowned champion, but we know it's the Victor Wimbanyama draft, and there's a lot of questions after that. So NBA Big Board is going to have everything sorted out from there. All right, uh, the Jimmy Butler at his uh, media availability on Tuesday had an interesting quote, uh, saying in part, "I'm, you know, he, he, he was basically saying, I, I, all I care about is winning. You know, if I need to pass, I pass. If I need to shoot, I shoot." He says, "I'm not a scorer. I'm not a volume shooter. This playoff Jimmy narrative is not a thing." Okay, now he hasn't had. Uh, any big games, right? Like recently, he's he's been okay, twenty one points in the win, but on thirty seven percent shooting. Uh, in game one, thirteen points, nothing special there. 
he even they, they even got out of Miami with I mean out of out of the, the Boston series without him playing like this ungodly type of game. So let's play some real or fake, Jake Madison. Real or fake? Playoff Jimmy is a thing. It's very real. This is very so real, right? Real, like, and I'm I'm bothered by him trying to downplay it <laughs> and try and like take some of the heat off of him. I am offended, pun, pun intended, that he's not having like an amazing breakout NBA Finals like we've seen from him before, and just not living up to the insane standards that he said for himself. Look, per game in the regular season this year, it was twenty two point nine points. In the playoffs this year, it's twenty seven point three. Right. Like when you have that big of a jump, it becomes a thing. When you've done that for three out of your four years in Miami, having better numbers in the postseason than the regular season, other than two years ago when they got swept in the first round. And we don't need to talk about that here, that <laughs> it is very much a real thing. And look, when you're building a legacy in the league, it's not so much the regular season. Does, does, the, the casual person know how many league MVPs Jordan has, or do they know how many titles he won, right? Do they know how many MVPs Kobe has, which is just one, or how many titles he has? So on and so forth. The biggest knock on Jokic this year on why he wouldn't win the MVP was the lack of postseason success. So when your career is built around you are better in the postseason and no one talks about him as much during the regular season, I'm sorry. Playoff Jimmy is absolutely a real thing, and there's enough evidence to point to that. Okay, so Jimmy Butler has scored... 518 points in the playoffs. It's the second most points in the playoffs. In the fourth quarter, he has scored a total of 126 points, the most points in the playoffs in the fourth quarter. And if you go uh, per game, it's fourth. Uh, and the other guys, Kawhi, Trey Young, Steph Curry, are all gone. So he's he's still up there as a major fourth fourth quarter scorer he he it's very obviously true and <laughs> I, yes. I, do, I do like your take of like just being like come on like come on jimmy enough uh but what i do like about jimmy is that he he turns it on and off when he needs to this is humble jimmy you know after the uh the the first loss when it went 3-1 boston He's up there. He's like, you know, we're good. We're going to do whatever we're going to, whatever we normally do. I'm going to do what I do after, after every game. I'm going to, we're going to listen to some music in there. We're going to drink some wine. We're going to drink some beers. And he was like, very kind of like, yeah, I got this. We got this. No problem. Now when it's, it's time to give the other guys their confidence, he's, he's not going to sit there and take all the credit. He's going to say, yeah, you know, look, if I need to score, I'll score. If I need to make passes throughout the whole game, I'll pass throughout the whole game. All I care about is winning. That's that's the message that he's trying to send to his teammates. That the whole playoff Jimmy thing, he doesn't want that to get in the way of his teammates uh doing what they do cuz he knows that right now he can cruise. This is the biggest thing with 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 the first couple of games here. Okay, they lost game 1, they won game 2. They haven't needed Jimmy Butler to go crazy. And I think the the conference finals took a lot out of him. It was a it was a very tough series. 
he was much better in the Milwaukee series. He's kind of like trended downwards a little bit as the, as the playoffs have gone on. And maybe that's part of why he's saying this because he knows that he's kind of running out of gas, but he's saving it for when he needs it. And look, they stole game. They stole the game in, in Denver. Now they're home. They just got a whole home court. He knows exactly when he needs to turn it on. He knows exactly when he needs to back off. It's like the gas is on like almost E and he knows exactly when to hit it, hit the pedal and exactly when to coast downhill. So he'll, he'll, he can play whatever the game he wants. He can say whatever the hell he wants. Playoff Jimmy is still a thing. We are going to see it at least once at some point in these finals. He's going to have a big shot, a big fourth quarter, a big moment. And that's how it is. So whatever he says, great. I, I appreciate his leadership. They go as Jimmy goes. They follow his lead. But he will have one of those moments. And it will be a storyline. Playoff Jimmy is going to make a difference in this in these finals. Yeah, look, and I think the final way I look at it, even beyond all that, right, which I think is a really great point of, you know, sometimes you just need to defer and be that guy, and that's being a leader, and that's leading your team to wins, too, is they're the eighth seed this year. The previous time they made the finals, they were the fifth or the sixth seed. They weren't, they, you know, when he has these some of these deep playoff runs, other than last year where they were the one seed, but two of the time, the two times he's made the finals, they didn't have home court at all throughout all of that, and I think that says something and looks pretty impressive, right? Like, it's that underdog story of, oh, look at this team that wasn't that good, and now look at what they're doing because of what Jimmy Butler's doing. The eight seed thing I think is huge in kind of building that postseason legacy just for the narrative around it. If anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's the still mystique, real. The yeah, right. Oh, he took there. this this raggedy, terrible eighth seed. Though I mean look, they they legitimately lost the first play in tournament game and were down double digits. And now look at them. Tells you a lot about that team to a degree, yeah. I think. And so now all of a sudden they're in the NBA finals and they're there because of Jimmy Butler. And, and three-point shooting. <laughs> <laughs> and incredibly outrageous three-point shooting. And Eric Spolster is the best coach in the world right now. And just unbelievable. It's just, I'll end the podcast the same way I started it. This Heat team is a model of consistency and hard work. And I'll say this. Part of me is actually hoping that Miami wins because... I know that the Celtics didn't have that consistency and hard work that the Heat did. And if we're looking for copycats who's saying, what's going to win? Everybody's looking for that, that formula. If Miami wins, then what's what's the thing to copy? Hard work, being on the same page, following one one kind of like uh, goal and and working as hard as you possibly can to get. There's no like, oh, wow, they ran the... Like no one's going to start running their zone that Miami's running because they want. No, it's going to be, oh God, maybe if you just work hard, things will happen for you. There's a lesson so, there for you kids. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to wrap it up right there. Game three tonight, Wednesday night. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, who knows? Who knows how this is going to go? Any could really go in any direction. So make sure you catch the guys tomorrow, Nick and Pat, to get the full recap, plus the guys on Locked on Heat, Locked on Nuggets. They're going to have you covered every way possible. As usual on Wednesdays, though, we're your regular hosts. I'm John Corrales, host of the Locked on Celtics podcast, at John underscore Corrales on Twitter.
And I'm Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, host of the Lockdown Pelicans podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts on your favorite podcasting app. Get onto that YouTube page, leave comments. What do you think uh, about Jimmy Butler and, and playoff Jimmy and, and what adjustments need to be made? And would love it if you regular everydayers shared the podcast and spread the word and told everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown NBA podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.